it took me years as an underwriter, I think, before I really started to grasp the concept of of how different leverage is for some people. If you're a wealthy person, and let's say you got a million dollars in a securities account, you could borrow on margin, usually around up to 50% from whoever custodies your account, Charles Schwab, Merrill Lynch, whoever, you know, they'll usually give you a line of credit. And because it's secured by cash equivalent securities, right, that are marketable and, and traded on uh, anytime you want, they have access to it, they custod- they're their custodian, they give you a really low rate. And this last 10, 15 years, that, that rate has been 1% in some circumstances. 2% in some circumstances. You could invest that in almost anything and make more money than that. And then, here's the beauty of it, you can write off your interest deduction. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Um, I kind of always do the intros. Oh. You want to try it? <laughs> that, that's your intro for the show? It, that's the intro for the show. Are we, are we recording? Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back to the higher standard, everybody. That's Saeed. Clearly, he's back. <laughs> and uh, I am the better host, Chris. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Can't believe you. did you just beatbox? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going. All right. Well, uh, one of the things this week that caught my eye that I want to talk to you about, other than how shitty your beatboxing is, was most loans on recently repossessed cars originated during 2020 and 2021. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think those people got the money to get those loans from? A lot of stimmy checks coming out. Uh a lot of interesting things going on, but clearly that those markups over MSRP mm-hmm. and that whole supply shortage, people paid. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You buy a car, you drive off the lot, that MSRP bump that you paid, that 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 extra little commission you drove their way, that 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 premium you paid, mm-hmm. you lost that the second you drove off the lot. So a lot of these cars are well underwater now. Well underwater. I think estimated around 46%. Did you do more research again? More research. Look at you. 46% indeed. Mm-hmm. So used car prices are more than $10,000 above typically expected levels, or what one observer says is a bubble that is beginning to show signs of bursting. I mean, this auto loan market has doubled in 10 years, now at $1.4 trillion. And I'm telling you, every time you come in with like prepared like this, it's just sexy AF. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, man. this is very good. And this is, and this market right here is what's considered one of the leading indicators, right? Uh, well, so it was interesting. Is it, this is completely unrelated? Like I, I didn't know this back then, but 
non-household debt is comprised of your student loan debt, your auto debt, and your credit card debt, mm -hmm. right? And it just so happens those are the order of the highest debt that we've had. So that's why right. student loans have been talked about so much politically recently, uh, at least the last election anyway, and then possibly the student loan forgiveness, which, by the way, is unconstitutional. That's why it was so huge and critical. Well, it struck me as odd that auto loans had really surpassed credit card debt. And I think that's changing right now. There's a lot of people. There's a lot more spending on credit cards and we can get to right. the, the buy now, pay later whole debacle that's happening at some point. But this this is is the reason is mm -hmm. people were paying over MSRP for these cars, driving off a lot, getting these highly leveraged loans or putting zero to, to little, no money down. Right. So as much as we refine the credit practices after the Great Recession on things like homes, right? we sure shit haven't done it on cars. And then we exasperated it with this supply side recession that we were in because we haven't called it a recession yet. Right. And the, for those of you listening, actually, this is a very interesting time that we're doing the podcast because tomorrow, Wednesday, mm -hmm. uh, was it July 13th? CPI index CPI come out. index comes out. That's right. That's a, that's a big day. Any, any preliminary guesses? Obviously, we don't know, but. I don't think it's going down at all. If anything, it's still going up. All right, let me, I'm going to give you some choices. Okay. The early projection is 8.8% last I checked. Mm -hmm. There are those who believe that it will be a nine handle. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who think that it's going to stay flat. Where are you at on that? I'm saying it's at least 8.8%, if not more. Because the quantitative tightening has just started taking place. It didn't happen in June. It's just mm -hmm. now starting in July. So I'm going. I'm going nine percent. Nine percent. Yeah. That point two percent is a big difference in the economy. But mm -hmm. you know what? I, I I tend to fall in the nine percent range too. I, I think we might see nine percent. I, I think that people have widely underestimated how bad the scenario is, and we're going to start seeing the implications because a twenty-five, a fifteen, a seventy-five basis point increase mm -hmm. has done nothing to put a dent in the economy. Right. Which you know, if it comes out at nine percent, maybe. People will start to accept and be more comfortable with a seventy-five percent increase. You know, somebody told me today. Huh. I was on. I was doing my usual thing, right? I wake up in the morning. I'm, I'm getting get in the office and I'm going to the bathroom. One of my staples of my day, right? <laughs> and I love to troll while I'm going number two. Troll, troll. I troll. Yeah. I troll real estate websites that have quote real estate experts hard <laughs> okay. in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I just figure if you're going to talk it, you might as well be doing it, right? <laughs> you know you what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so talk that shit, boy. Yeah. So I was talking. I was talking. So keeping current matters is one of those websites that man is so bad. I mean, I didn't plan to talk about it on the podcast today, but these guys are so like hard, and the real estate values aren't going down. Tell your clients real estate value. Oh. They they are they are pitching hard. They posted graphs and charts. As a matter of fact, a realtor sent me one today saying that another realtor had sent him that to say, send it to your client because your client needs to understand they should come up and in, in, in price because his client was a buyer trying to make an offer and they, they bid below the list price. Right, right. And they sent them that, that graph and chart to try to get them to bid up. And he's like, no, nah, man, real estate values are going down. But yeah, so I, I, was, I was commenting. One of the, one of the, troll responses back to my trolling which i respect if you're going to reverse troll good right, for right. you yeah yeah exactly was man yield curve and you, we've already had you know a 25 a 50 and a 75 basis point and rates went down last week so you you don't know what the hell you're talking about oh i'm imagining he did it with sas yeah, yeah it was the <laughs> yeah. comments yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> but um but that just goes to show you how that there's a lack of education when it comes to just basic financial like literacy and then you have these people who think that values are just meant to perpetually go up mm -hmm. they can't see the correlation in the fed interest rate 
increases will effectively move the treasuries. And as the treasuries move, the long end of the curve moves out. Mm -hmm. You're going to see rates go up. Right. But this elasticity that's not been there for the last 14 years isn't going to come back overnight. And people were thinking, like, okay, we've done all these things and and rates haven't moved. So clearly this isn't going to move rates. That's Mm -hmm. that's not accurate. It just goes to show you how stagnant the economy, frankly, how fucked up the economy. Right. Right. I mean, just back to this whole car example here. Right. You can tell that there is going to be a huge shot, a destruction of the demand portion. Right. With just that's real close. Prices are high. Rates are going high. With inflation still going up, more and more defaults are around the corner. I think in this report that we read, one in 12 Americans are approximately 90 days past due on their car loan payment. Is that a real number? That's a real number. Wow. When you come with research, you always come with How do you find stuff that I haven't seen? Yeah, that's because I do more research than you. Because you're looking at my notes, aren't you, before, <laughs> no. before you get here? Now he's getting credit. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. You seem to, you seem to have some very good. Yeah, no, no. But, I, mean, I mean, this, you know, the housing market on a smaller scale, right? Like, this is how it's going to play out in the housing market, too. Can we talk about your wife and is she okay? Oh, yeah, man. So, I mean, just even myself. So, uh, what Chris is alluding to is uh, my wife recently got into a car accident. At least she's okay. Uh, she'd have to go to the hospital, but she got some bruising and a concussion. And, you know. Concussion's no joke, man. People underestimate the shit out of that. It was super scary, man. I mean. Um, airbags went off, right? Airbags airbags went out. Actually, the car, the car who hit her, uh, the person that hit her made her car spin out. A uh, car got slammed into a fire hydrant. She didn't know it slammed into a fire hydrant. And um, water was coming up through the vehicle. She thought that was the gas. Oh, really? She thought it was gas? She, she didn't know any better. She didn't know she hit a fire hydrant. She's just clear fluid. She's fluid. And it's just like, what's going on? And she's now like panicking, trying to get out. Meanwhile. Oh, my God. I can only imagine that. Meanwhile, moment. the girl that hit her car flipped upside down. And she's honking her horn, trying to get someone's attention to help her get out. So she's panicking. Jesus, that's traumatizing. Traumatizing. Wife is stumbling, get out of the car, trying to go help her. Luckily, you know, some people calmed her down and pulled her aside. Other people helped the girl out. Everyone walked out. You know, everyone was okay. I talked to a firefighter there. He said, the worst part about this accident is just the way that it looks. I know it looks really bad, but everyone's going to be okay. I feel like they're obligated to say that, though. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, both people were walking off on their own two feet and everything was fine. You know, they didn't have to get rushed off into an ambulance. Unless you're the insurance agent and you're listening to this. She was in a lot of pain and she's still traumatized. No, she is, though. She's in a lot of pain still. I mean, her hand, like her right hand, my wife's a dental hygienist. So um, obviously, you know, that function is really important to her. But anyway, so right now we're in this whole issue with the insurance company. And it's a nightmare, right? It's a nightmare. I mean, as an attorney, let me tell you. we, so we've done we do PI and we do a lot of that pro bono and we also do some of it you know for income. It is the most aggravating thing that we do. Yeah, it, it is so frustrating dealing with insurance companies and their policies and their procedures and the way they do things. It's just like the medical industry where mm-hmm. like it's it's their policy procedures set what they do. Right. It's the same thing in the car space. Like they're not going to total your car, right? I mean that that's the whole thing. So I've never been in this position before, and I can already see like yeah, it's in their best interest to just get the car repaired and not total it out and not pay us out. So they're trying to get it to some body shop that's not, you know, my wife drives a Honda Odyssey. So they were trying to get to a random body shop, not a Honda certified body shop. But the record show you traditionally drove the Honda Odyssey. She was driving it that day. But... Sure, yeah, why not? Honda Odyssey is cool. I'm cool being a cool dad driving okay, the Honda I'm Odyssey. Saying, but let the record show. <laughs> um, but so they're, yeah, they're trying to lowball it as much as they can. And now we got to find a way to make sure that 
everything's being accounted for properly. Um, but it's just a headache, man. And I, but luckily, you know, I'm just glad that she's okay. And this whole week could have been played out very differently. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, so let's let's start with. I'll tell everybody the same thing I told you. So um, if you get a car accident like this, you can pick your body shop. There are certified body mm-hmm. shops in their network that are certified by the manufacturer, in this case, Honda, to do the repair. You can pick or insist on one. Mm-hmm. Then you can also talk to your insurance company and see what their threshold is and, and percentage of actual repair cost right. to the remaining cost of the car using Kelly Blue Book. Right, the value of the and car. And try to figure out what that percentage is. They're going to tell you what the percentage is before it to be totaled. Mm-hmm. As messed up as it is, the body shop, from a legal perspective, isn't really concerned. They're trying to make as much money as possible. And sadly, the more damage they can fix, the more money that they can make. Exactly. There's a lot of honesty and there's a lot of things that are out there, but you know, you want to make sure that you watch that because no one's going to look out for your best interest more than you. Right. And as an attorney, I can't tell you how many times we've actually gotten the car totaled because it did meet the threshold, but you just needed a second opinion. Like if you were going to the doctor and you do your own due diligence. Exactly. If you just go to the body shop that they tell you to go to and you just do what they tell you to do, you're probably not going to be guaranteed the best possible resolution for you. Yeah, because frankly, a new car is what you should. I mean, get. it's crazy. Like if people don't know that you you should be requesting OEM, you know, manufactured parts. parts yeah. Like they're just going to go, yeah, just fix. I guess fix my car. They don't. They don't know that you, they could be put like non OEM parts can go mm-hmm. into your car. So um, that obviously brings the price way up, and then the labor makes it go up. Um, so we'll see. We're dealing with that headache right now. Very but, um, but so actually, but ba- back back to what we were saying before, uh, we actually I actually went down to um, where the car was towed to, and I when they opened the gate for me to go in and pick up uh, some of the our belongings inside the van, I noticed a lot of cars in there that didn't look like they had any damage. Yeah, yeah. Repos. Mm-hmm. A lot of repos right now, and that that's becoming a bigger problem. And. Considering you made the world's worst segue, I'm going to go ahead and segue to the buy now, pay later services thing I wanted to talk about. I wasn't going to mm-hmm. talk about this until later, but mm-hmm. I was watching the television today and Klarna, are you familiar with them? No. So K-L-A-R-N-A, they're, they're not public yet. They're still kind of in their, I think they're, they're rounds of financing. Uh-huh. They saw their valuation slip 85%. So they got their newest round of financing and oh. it reflected a way lower price. So it's a Swedish firm. Mm-hmm. And they said they raised $800 million in a fresh funding round. And for those of you who don't know, you have a seed round, which starts you. And then you have a, you know, a Series A, a Series B, a Series C, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And each time you do that, how much money you get essentially sets your value. Well, in this particular instance, they, they went through this. And they, they're down to a $6.7 billion valuation in this, this round of financing gave them $800 million. That's down from $45.8 billion when it was last valued in around the 2021 crash. which Led to the whole Japan SoftBank thing and that so, whole the whole space. So, what do you think is the cause for for that? Well, I know what the cause is. The only thing I can't figure out is why in the fuck Apple would want to get. It. That's the one thing. So yeah, I know the Apple we had the talked credit about card. this before. Yeah, I, I still don't understand yeah. it. And then when I read you some of these metrics, you're going to be like, "Why would Apple do?" Apple has more cash on hand, and maybe there's some there's some tax or economic play for losses here. Uh-huh. So I had heard I had heard this before, but before we move on. It's not just them. So shares of a firm which debuted in early 2021, they're public. They're down 77% since the IPO. PayPal and Square, the parent company of Block, which uh, was acquired Australian uh, buy now, pay later firm Afterpay, they're down 64 and 61% respectively. So 
everyone's down massively. And you're right. like, okay, this kind of makes sense, right? Inflation's creeping up. And the whole market's going down, right? Yeah. Well, it's not just the market. It's like the, the cost of borrowing is going up. So interest rates are going up. Right. And infl- the cost of actually buying things is going up. Mm-hmm. We know credit card spending is now going to bridge the gap of that money that the consumer ran out of, right? Exactly. Jamie Dimon called it. Brian Moynihan fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and now we're in a situation where, where the consumer is still trying to spend and that, that mania still applies. We talk about that all the time from the Wharton School of Business, but that, that psychology that this is not changing, that this is not real. Right. And people just keep spending. Yeah. Well, now that inflation has crept up so high, we think it's going to be higher tomorrow. And now the cost of borrowing, just your interest rates are going up. Mm-hmm. I can see defaults going up. But then I'm like, okay, let me do some research on default rates. So I did that. Okay. And I'd heard this number before, and I went back and double-checked it just to make sure I wasn't crazy. I mean, I'm crazy for other reasons, but I think there, there's some, some value that, in this. That's been proven, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of those who have used these kinds of services, and the, how many? what percentage of people do you think have used Buy Now, Pay Later services? I have no idea. This number blew me away. I didn't know this. No, I, I mean, I, based on that, what you just said, I don't know, 15%, 20%? So the share of Americans who use Buy Now, Pay Later services in 2022 has increased to 43%. God. 12-point jump since 2021. Ah, damn. 43% of Americans. I, I was like, my, my wife used this once, and I was like, you will not do that ever again. Like, we do not that's, do that. Yeah, that's, that's bad news. This like, is glorified layaway, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was just going to say. Like, is, I feel like, is it layaways back? It's layaway, but you get it up front. Yeah, that's crazy. So, of course, the default rate's high, right? So, what are people putting up as collateral? No collateral. You get the product, and you yeah. pay monthly installments, equal installments, over like a short period of time. What? A couple months here and there. What in the? It's crazy. And I've, I've heard this model before and it bothered me. And I, then I heard this number and I, I double triple checked tonight. Mm-hmm. This is a quote. This is not okay. me. Of those who have used these kinds of services, 43% of Americans, 42% have had to pay some kind of late fee. Oh, my God. Man. This, is, this is in the prosperous period. We haven't hit yeah. the recession yet. Yeah. 42% of the 43% of Americans that have used buy now, pay later, have have paid late at some point. And this is no different than the mentality that I think people, a lot of people have with, this is why, you know, credit card debt is so high. You know, people spend money that they don't have and they'll they'll make a large payment and they're okay with just making their minimum payment, you know, which is very bad, 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 bad. You know, and well, I mean, it's cash flow, right? They don't have the cash flow to, to bridge so the they're gap. So bu- they're buying things that they they can't afford to have. Which, look, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'm not gonna act like I'm I'm better than that. I but feel like you're pretty frugal, though. You don't really do that. No, I don't. But I mean, I'm, we have, and yeah, it maybe it's taken us two, three months to pay off. But I'm not putting something on, paying it off over like you know extended period of time. But, but I, this is no a, different than that. This mentality, this mentality but is no different. It's a time and a place. What I would say is. For most things that I can think of for buy now, pay later, you shouldn't be buying now and paying well, what Do you know what are people using these services you for? You this? Like a no. firm? So no, like, what are they using it for? Oh, just like everyday like purchases on products, like websites. Like I was talking to a company whose name shall remain nameless that was super amped to get this as part of their offering for their products. I think Amazon does this too. <sighs> I mean, you can, you can go down the rabbit hole of like the obscure shit that people can buy now, pay later on. And they just... And I heard a kid... And I'll, I'll say this, he was autistic, but he was really, really smart with money. Like, that was his, like, skill. You know how some autistic kids have, like, a strength? Yes. This kid was an autistic kid who was really, really good with finances. Like, he, he was just, he knew them. Uh-huh. And he made a pretty interesting pitch on why he found this to be a good use of his money. 
Okay. Let me he was that. like, I can invest that money into the stock market. Yeah. You know? But again, this yeah, is this yeah, is the time yeah, where things yeah, are rising, right? right. Like, I can invest that money, make money off of it, right? And then use that increased money to pay the cash flow down on the payments. Right. So it actually costs me less to buy this product because I'm making money off my cash. Right. A traditional arbitrage thought. Right. I mean, that's exactly what we see in you know the line of work that that we're in is like we deal with these high net worth clients that have the cash to buy some of these investment properties. And then, you know, we always get asked the questions by some of our analysts team. Um, you know, why are they getting loans when they have the money to just, you know, buy the outright themselves? Because they could get a loan for it and make more money with their cash elsewhere. Yeah, but people, people really don't understand that. And it took me years as an underwriter, I think, before I really started to grasp the concept of, of how leverage? different leverage is for some people. Yeah. If you're a wealthy person, and let's say you got a million dollars in a securities account. Right. You could borrow on margin, usually around up to 50% from whoever custodies your account, Charles right. Schwab, Merrill Lynch, whoever, yeah. you know, they'll usually give you a line of credit. And because it's secured by cash equivalent securities, yeah. right, that are marketable and, and traded on uh, anytime you and, want. And they have access to it to keep track of it. They have access to it. They custod- they're their custodian. They give you a really low rate. And in this last 10, 15 years, that, that rate has been 1% in some circumstances. Exactly. 2% in some circumstances. Right. You could invest that in almost anything and make more money than that. Mm-hmm. And then here's the beauty of it: you can write off your interest deduction. Especially this those last fourteen years, you could have invested your money in anything and you would have made money. It didn't matter, yeah, right? Like, exactly. So, so, uh, so a lot of people did that, and that that was their arbitrage to make money. They would go buy a piece of property, re, you know, rehabilitate it, sell it, take the three hundred thousand dollars they made off that property, pay down their their margin line right. and use that three hundred thousand dollars of working capital maybe borrow against the margin line again mm-hmm. and continue to play this game well that merry-go-round is is really going to stop and i think so many people point to the single family home market failures that happened during the great recession they say hey man credit's a lot tighter credit is not a lot tighter mm-hmm. just a credit that's not as tight is not the same thing as last time it's exactly. the car loans yeah and the car loans there's stated income car loans i'll say right now you want a good indicator that car lending is out is out of control mm-hmm. All you got to do is go on to social media. Okay. They're like 20-something-year-olds with Ferraris and Lambos. Yeah. And you're just like, this, this, is, this, is not, this is not right. Like, how did you get that? Like, you obviously don't have a track record of experience. Like, you're not- Yeah, it's either that or they're renting it for, for the post. Maybe. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things that's become so prevalent that people are willing to pay above MSRP, drive mm-hmm. off the lot, and be underwater on day one of the vehicle they purchased because- there was a shortage of supply. They go, you know what? This is what I have to do in order to, to win the car. Yeah. To win a car. YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> they, they believe in that. I hate YOLO. Yeah. For everybody who says YOLO, my response is hell no. Yeah, yeah. Get out of my face. Yeah. Hell <laughs> no. And this buy now, pay later thing, I have hated since the second that it rolled it out. Yeah, this, I mean, it, it's, this is bad news, man. You, you should stay away from this for the exact same reasons of, you know, don't put anything on your credit card that you can't afford to pay for yourself. Yeah. And so I read this too, which I thought was interesting. The model... Proved popular against uh, with yeah, this is not going to surprise you. Model proved popular with young Americans during the COVID nineteen pandemic as e commerce volumes soared, with buy now pay later transactions accounting for two dollars of every hundred dollars spent on e commerce last year, according to global data. God damn! And then something else that I just thought of you know, what what actually makes it you know sad for me is when a company like Apple adopts it, 
Why? Why? Why are they doing? I don't understand. Right. So aside from why, right? Like it's because it's a it's a fucked up product, right? But it's also predatory. That's what I mean. They they know what's going to happen with it. They They, know they have a credit. They have a credit. Here's the other thing that blows me away. But Apple didn't do this. So they have a credit card company. Somebody backs a credit card. That's not an Apple like credit card distribution. It's it's another card network backing them, right? Yeah. They're doing the buy now pay later in house. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. And they know consumer spending. They have all the analytics and the data on it. So they know They're how smart. this is all going to They play know out. we're walking into a recession. They can't be walking into a 42% payment Well, they know we're walking into rate. a recession, which is probably why they're going to do it, right? They, 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 have can't. It, they have it lined up. But but what bothers me about this is when a company like Apple does it and you have all these you know young adults that just put all their trust into Apple, it gives this buy now, pay later more credibility because they're like, it might not must not be bad for me if Apple's offering it. I think the reason why they did it, if you want my honest opinion, is mm-hmm. because there's a there's a rumor floating around that they're going to roll out a subscription service for their phones, where you just pay a, a, a fee every single year or every like monthly, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. you just get the new phone every time it comes out. Yeah, okay. I think this is their segue into that space with buy now, pay later. Right? It makes oh. sense. Like you walk into really wow. Well, I'll put it to you this way. What is, if you're Apple and you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, there's a lot of default risk in a lot of people, but what's the one thing everybody's got in their pocket at all times? Dude, it's crazy. iPhones. iPhones. Yeah. yeah. And if you're the largest manufacturer of phones in the world, mm-hmm. and you know more people are going to take responsibility for their phones than their Amazon purchases for defaults. True. You know there's going to be a, a probability of a lower default rate for your buy now, pay later services if it's applicable to your phone. Mm-hmm. At least you think, I and mean, then the question is: Do you repossess it? How do you charge? I mean, how does how does that work? Yeah, can you, I bet you what, what, how it works is this: is they can just shut it down if you're late on your buy now, pay later like payment. Uh, they just shut you down. Yeah, they just send out a little ping, and you're out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hope you didn't like those photos, bro. You, you are the weakest link. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> you hear that uh, BMW is down doing this, dude? I just got this article today. I was gonna bring it up right now. I thought I, I thought it was a joke. I and I when I read the article, it's apparently this is not their first time. It's like their second time doing this. I didn't read the article. I thought it was a joke. Yeah. No, it's real. So go ahead. I got home and somebody told me it was real. Yeah. Subscription fee for heated seats. seats? Yeah. $18. They could just turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. It's over the air update. That is insane, Because your, your car is just like the Tesla. So my so, wife's Tesla. I don't, you, you don't have a Tesla, but yeah. well, it's also yeah. hard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm out here spinning them cheap. Yeah, we over a Honda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they give you over the air. It's like your iPhone. They give you yeah. over the air updates uh, some nights. So every once in a while, they'll push that update out and you get up. There's a lot of cool stuff that didn't come with the car. Originally so you're paying now. a subscription fee. No, no, no. So for us, because we we bought, I think our car is a 2019. Uh huh. The Model X, we get free charging for life at the superchargers, which is dope. Also hard. Also hard. And then we also get all the all that stuff for free, so we don't pay anything for those services, which is why like we we don't upgrade my wife's car. Right, right. That you're not trying cheap. to lose it. Yeah, yeah. But we're not trying to lose it free. So I'll probably sell the Jeep before. Never that. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are in line for the Rivian, so yeah. That's the all Jeep's got to go. Oh bro. my god. Yeah, because you're gonna have how many cars now after the Rivian comes in? Uh, five. Oh. Technically, two of them aren't really here mm-hmm. ever. As we step into a recession, sending out the wrong message. Those are paid for in cash, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Those are paid for yeah. in cash. And yeah. I'm not, that, so BMW will be Carter's car. I'm not selling that one. I don't really care what, what I spend on that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, people got to see all, that. That's all good. The uh, the Dotson, however, is, is that on Instagram? Because I don't money. have Instagram. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> the highlights of the, are in my stories are all there. You can see the cars. But, um, I, uh, I'm going to do something special for when they're finished. The, the Datsun's actually going to be finished first. I can't wait like, to see them, man. Those have been in the work for a while. It doesn't feel real. 
Yeah. The dots has been in the works since it's been eight, nine, no, maybe 10 years. Yeah. It's been a long time in the works and there's been a lot of ups and downs. So it, it's not, it's not even real to me. Right. The sad part is, is you know how you go through phases in life? Like you like certain stuff. And uh-huh. Like I don't like the car anymore. I remember, oh, geez. <laughs> like, I'm no, over it has it. sentimental I'm value over. though. It does have sentimental value. And there's a lot of learning that went into it and I built the engine and all that stuff, but whatever. But it's just like, well, are they still on track? Because I remember at one time they were supposed to go to a car show. They're supposed to go to SEMA. Didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Then the BMW was supposed to go to SEMA, and then we just gave that up early because we could just tell it, was, it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then it actually wound up being a good thing. So we did a lot of custom stuff to the BMW. The Datsun, however, has been a complete nightmare. And I, now mechanically, it's fully running. It does need some body work and, and some stuff to finish it up. But it, it's it's a fully functioning, running, driving vehicle now, which wow. is probably, if I were to guess. This is not a flex. This is pathetic. Don't ever do this. It's probably got almost two hundred grand into it. Wow. Yeah. This, this is a 1968 Datsun 510. So that, that car is probably worth about a nickel. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's not worth And then there's there is nobody in their right mind who's ever going to give me that money back. So I'm going to beat the hell out of that car. Right, right, right. Bit. Take it on the racetrack. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then my wife will tell me that I can't do it because it's dangerous. Yeah. So, you know how that goes. You know how that goes. Well, transitioning from driving a car that's overpriced and a piece of shit that yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on, one of my favorite topics, new renters versus old renters. Man, oh man. I know we've touched on this a couple times in the past, but it's um, it's really, really getting out of hand. In the last eight months, the rate of change in annual rental costs for new tenants has more than doubled. Mm-hmm. reaching its highest level on record, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics reviewed by the Times. And these, these are actually not public data, so it's kind of interesting that they got it. But, you know, we know housing represents both the biggest contributor to core inflation and is also known as a lagging indicator. I want to say it's like 30-something percent, 33%. Mm-hmm. Percent. Yeah. yeah. See, so housing and unemployment are generally considered lagging indicators. I disagree with housing. And you also disagree with the unemployment figures, right? Because those are always mani- can be manipulated, right? Well, so housing hasn't been changed as dramatically as unemployment has in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So they've effectively removed certain categories from unemployment. The most notable one is if you've been looking for a job longer than a year, they don't count you as unemployed. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. kind of sus. Yeah. Whatever. Am I allowed to use? You, you, I was just going to say, are, are, are you using sus? Yeah, am I allowed to use millennial vernacular? <laughs> or do I have to go we back can, to like We can try to, to bring on that demographic. This is a sad statement. I actually was flipping through TikTok the other night, uh-huh. and I was talking to Adam, who, you know, who listens yeah. to the show, and he was telling me that that TikTok has two algorithms. Okay. And I looked it up after I talked to him, and it's true. Two algorithms. They have two algorithms. This blew my blew my mind away. Like when he told me, I was like, "This this can't be wow. fucking true." Is so after we got the phone call, I thought about it late at night. I was talking to my wife, who was on TikTok, and I looked it up. And China has an algorithm which really promotes the things that they want to see in China. So like yeah. educational stuff. You know, uh, they're real strict with with their algorithm for the kids too. It's like like they make them wait longer in between posts, right? Yeah. And so it's it's not meant to drive this distracted focus. It's meant to drive the things that enrich their population, right? So yeah. genius. They, they, yeah, yeah, they want they want this cultural pride. They want to see scholastic achievements. They want to see great accomplishments athletically, and they want the, they want some kids to look at stuff to make them feel like they're stronger. And they're limited to how much they can use it. Right. right, but our algorithm yeah. teaches us how to be fucking morons. Yeah, like it, it's literally copy built to this, show us stupid shit. Look at this dance I learned how to copy. I don't have it. This is why I don't have it. Look how tell stupid me you see it is. This country white dude who's like doing all the dancing. Like I know, all the I know. I do, oh, I do not. No. I'm, I'm gonna wait, wait till we get off the show today. It's gonna blow your mind. I still get people send them to me uh, in the group chat, so I get to see the popular ones that go viral. But then I can't skip because I don't have. I'd like to take a moment and 
Oz that I'm not in any of these alleged group chats. Yeah, I'm not. I'm barely in them myself. These are family group chats. No, 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 don't, 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 don't put this on family, bro. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're Middle Eastern. Your family's got like 50 I'm not, deep. I'm not Middle Eastern. Huh? You're yeah, Asian, technically. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, culturally, yeah, culturally yeah. representative. Yeah. I'm Asian adjacent. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, whatever. Culture is a challenge. No, you're Middle Eastern. I, I am right. Yeah. Forty-four percent, according yeah. to yeah, but also you're, me. Yeah, I guess you're also Midwestern, so you're mid. That is no, wow. <laughs> going going back to the vernacular. So you're you're mid. You're, you're mid, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm not allowed to use sus. And, uh, you're mid. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So now that that's awkward, times have happened. So this, when I went down the rabbit hole in the whole renter thing, and it, it sparked with a conversation with somebody in Miami telling me about how how crazy their market had gotten and, and some mm-hmm. of the lengths that people were going. And I went down the rabbit hole of people that are moving back home. Yeah. I want to see the demographics. Oh, and, that's interesting. Yeah. And I got some I got some interesting data that came up here. So people in their twenties and thirties constitute the largest demographic of people moving back home. Not a shocker there, right? Yeah. 20s and 30s. yeah exactly. But what shocked me was that it's not just them. There's a there's a growing population of people in their forties and fifties that are that are going back to their parents' house. Wow. Because that's how expensive things are. And if, if you're saving, you know, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, Especially more, where we're living too. Yeah. Like and California. more ethnic families, you know, like yeah. Asians, not Middle Easterns. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's a very common it's thing. It's more acceptable. It's yeah. more, well, it's not even more acceptable. It's just more understood. You don't mm-hmm. put your parents in like an elder care facility. Exactly. You, you guys, you know, you take care of them yourself. Yeah. Right. The share of Americans living in multi-generational households more than doubled between 1971 and 2021 to 18% of the population and shows no signs of peaking, according to a report. Wow. And it goes on. And this is kind of interesting. So this is going to show you how we are as kids. We're kind of deadbeats. (laughs) Among the adult children living with their parents, more than half say it helps them financially and 30% say they pay nothing towards the rent or mortgage. Yeah, more than half say it helps them financially. No shit, dude. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, a recent Credit Karma survey found 29% of people between the ages of 18 and 25 live at home with parents or relatives and see it as a long-term housing solution. Lo- yeah, yeah I'm, it's just getting so comfortable. That's 29% of people see it as a long-term housing solution. They're just like, you know what? I'm good with this. Yeah, bring they bring their dates home. And they're like, hey, my roommates are sleeping. Keep it down. Yeah, I don't know if you really date when you live at home. How does that work? They have. Uh, you, how do you stop dating? You got to, I mean. I mean, you can't bring like a girl back to your house, right? Like, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, I, how, like, I don't I, know how the I, kids I, are doing it nowadays, but obviously that wouldn't fly at my parents' house, but yeah, how, do you, kid, how do you do that? Actually, it's not. My brother and sister. So this is weird, too, because my, my dad and my stepmom, I mean, it's the same dad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when I was a kid, there was, there was a lot of, ta- you couldn't, that was taboo. Yeah, exactly. My brother, my brother had his girlfriend spending all the time. Really? Not, uh, yeah, that, was now, ne- that was never allowed in our house. It was, you couldn't even meet them. I know, right? Yeah. It's so, so different. So same different, dad, so though. Weird. I mean, same yeah. dad. I mean, different than my stepmom, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you would think that that would be. But my dad has changed a lot. So, I mean, what do you think? Like, I don't even understand, like, what the plan is, the solution is. I mean, long term, they're saying, I'm just going to ride this out and be here. What does that even mean? Long term solution. So, you're going to wait here till they pass away and take over? So, this is the kind of thing that, from like a big, broader perspective that really bothers me about some of the rhetoric that's going on about the economy and about where we're at and some of this denial of things. It's easy to point at everything that you saw from the Great Recession and say, hey, you know, it's not going to be a housing crisis. It's not going to be an issue. This is an affordability crisis like we were seeing before. Mm-hmm. 
And as much as housing was impacted, and that was kind of the leading indicator in the Great Recession, like I've said before many times, there's no recessionary economy has ever started the same way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say that, and I've said it before on the show that that this recession has already pivoted to a double a, a dual edged recession. We're going from a supply side recession where we had this you know artificial yeah reduction in supply to a demand side recession where the, now the demand is going to fall off because of an affordability issue. Exactly. So we keep looking at this, trying to see like one recessionary economy type in, in the indicators, and we're completely blind to that demand side. Yeah. That is, it is really starting to get magnified here. And, and it's funny to me to see denial around all these facts. None of these things that we've talked about today, mm-hmm. other than our bad choice of millennial lingo, right. <laughs> is... is 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 hard to find. It's all out there. This is stuff that's pushed to your phone. It, it, you don't I mean, have to be interested in the economy. If you're just interested, people in, listening to this probably know someone. You know, I mean, that are dealing with this or going through this, right? Oh I mean, yeah, living at home has yeah. got to be a, a very prevalent thing. But even that, you probably know somebody who you'd buy now, pay later. Forty, what? Forty-two percent, forty-three percent, forty-three percent of Americans. People, I don't think people are bragging about that. Like, oh man, you just buy now, pay later. But so you probably know somebody who has used yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean. It's I guess theoretically, like, if I'm getting a phone through Verizon and I'm paying monthly for that phone in addition to my bill, that's technically a buy now, pay later service, right? I don't know. It depends on how they structure it. I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, that's how I, that's how I did. Every time you signed up for a new contract to your plan, they just add $20, $40 to your phone, bills. That's yeah. technically buy now, pay later. Yeah, I've never yeah. done that. Yeah, so, I mean, that kind, that's kind of been around for a while. So, for the I've iPhone. Always, let me tell you why you shouldn't do that. Uh-huh. Hear me out. Okay. I pay cash for our phones. Mm-hmm. We get a trade-in value with Apple. Yeah. So that trade-in value covers a significant amount of the new phone. Yeah. I feel yeah. like my money's better spent from a cash flow perspective doing just, that. Just paying, yeah. Just I paying guess, but it one it's all, time. I always looked at it as like, oh, it's just another 40 bucks on my payment. But I hate I hate subscription services. I hate yeah. those little tiny things that take, like, you know how go through your, you go to the app store and see your subscriptions you oh yeah that? yeah 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 i hate subscription services. yeah me too and what really bothers me is because i do like streaming services mm-hmm. so and obviously we have a son so yeah. we, we have disney plus we have netflix right. we have hbo we have all these streaming services man yeah here's what you think we need cable like we used to anymore not no man not every all the kids now are on youtube they're not watching tv I said you and me, we're not kids, bro. No, but you. I'm saying, I'm you saying, got gray hair. yeah, but we're getting TV for who? For for us or for the kids? Do you watch the news that way? How do you get your news? I get my news online. Articles that I people send me or trusted sources that we so have. You never like, turn on television and watch like NBC the, in the morning. The only thing I turn no, the only thing I turn on the television for nowadays is if I have time to watch a sporting event. Outside of that, I'm not watching anything else on TV except for maybe Family Feud. So do you have cable? Huh? Why do you watch Family Feud? I love Family Feud. Some it. people give some dumbass responses. <laughs> They're the best when you catch them live. That, that, you're, you're sadistic. Like you're watching that show and you see people do stupid no, shit. Oh, Steve Harvey's funny, man. I love Steve, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is not funny. Steve I do not Harvey find is, him Steve funny Harvey's, at all. I find him really funny. Really? Yeah, I think he's hilarious. Like, he's just, I can't, he's goofy. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> but, can't do it. But back to your subscription services thing, and I hate it too. You know, uh, my son Adam uh, learned how to... <laughs> e- Put his own fingerprint on the iPad, mm-hmm. learned how to do that, and started downloading ads or apps and subscription services. And we went to check the iPad one month. Sure enough, there was like four or five subscription services on there. We're like, dude, wow. what are you doing? I, I gave him props though for figuring it out. I'm like, good for you. See, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, in here, I, somebody just told me that their three year old son mm-hmm. found out how to use Alexa to buy products. No, I didn't even know you could do that. 
Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, Adam hears us use Alexa all the time. Alexa, add this to the shopping list. Alexa, play this song. So how does it work? You say, Alexa, buy me some carrots, and it just shows up? Like, how does this work? Yeah, I guess if you set up your account, that way default it to where that works. I'm telling you right now, that that'll never be set up. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Yeah. But we actually use Alexa a little bit in our house, not just for the weather. I don't like that. Yeah. yeah, we have Alexa plugged in, but I always unplug it, piss my wife off. But <laughs> to it just, piss my wife no, off. It's, it's not even that. It's just like I don't like the idea of someone being able to listen because that's they, your they, phone's listening to you. I know my phone's listening, but my phone and I have an intimate relationship. We're always together in the morning, we're always together at night, always in my pocket. You know what yeah, I mean? Always, you got a good hold on it. <laughs> it's an intimate relationship. Uh, <laughs> Siri's my boo. Siri, yeah. yeah, I do prefer Siri over Alexa. Let me ask you a real question. If uh, I were to go to your phone, when right you now, say you got to ask me a real question, it's never a real question. No, 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 no. It's, a, it's a real question. It, how how often how much time you spend the day on the phone? Do you check these numbers? It gets updated to me, no. But I have YouTube playing in the background all the time, so it's not fair. I'm just listening to shit on the background. That's not fair. I'm You're listening on to your the phone. High, I'm listening to the higher standard podcast, trying to learn stuff. You can't listen to our own podcast. <laughs> I'm just trying to see what parts of my what I say you cut out. Those of you out there listening to the show, I'd like to take a minute and pause <laughs> and talk about how arrogant that is. <laughs> At the culmination of this podcast, like all podcasts, Saeed and I listen to the show. <laughs> So Saeed is only listening to it a second time in the car to see, damn, I like my voice. So right now, screen time says nine hours a day. But I know that's on. Just It's just on because I'm listening to stuff in the background. Nine hours a day? Yeah, but the phone is just on. Like, it's just, it's left unlocked all day long. Yeah, I feel like this is an excuse. No, I'm being serious. I'm probably like 25 hours a day. I'm just giving you shit. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm bad. Like, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. yeah and here, that's nine hours a day without social media. Think about that. Yeah, that is kind of creepy. That's what I'm saying. So you look at a lot of porn. <laughs> no, what's porn? Exactly. You know how to use the private tabs. I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yeah. What's a private tab? Like, you know. You know. We all know you know. <laughs> oh, man. Here's the sad part about America today, and, and this is totally not a financial podcast at this point, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I, I can't watch like anything graphic on my phone because I'm so freaked out of the algorithm, the algorithm. <laughs> Cause here, I know what's going to happen is as I'll, I'll, I swear to God, I'll watch some weird shit. Even if it's like somebody else sending me a post about something funky that I'm not supposed to. The last thing I want is an ad coming up for some Dude, shit that I, I, I swear can't to God, justify. I've done this. I've done this with YouTube where like a YouTube video will be like posted or on the shorts. Mm-hmm. I guess it's similar to like TikTok, Right. And I'll watch it and I'll skip it right away. If I see something that's like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You already saw yeah, it. it got you. So then yeah. I, when I skip it, I'm like, ah, shit, that wasn't good enough. I got to go back and dislike it and, and then go up. So here's my strategy, <laughs> which is equally as bullshit as your strategy, is if I accidentally look at some shit like on Instagram that I don't that I don't want to be looking at long or like I spend like, too much time on it or yeah, I accidentally tap accidentally, like, I'm going to go back to the stuff I'm, I'm supposed to be looking at, like basketball, like <laughs> double stuff, tap, double, double tap, tap, double tap. <laughs> I'm going to tell the algorithm, like, no, that was a fuck up. Like, here, look at these. Like, sell me, sell me basketball shoes. Sell me, sell me. Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I don't, I don't want to see, like, dudes in capri pants. And, yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's just, it's not a good look, man. Yeah. I'm just telling you, these algorithms are crazy. That's actually one of the things that Apple did recently is they really debilitated uh, Facebook's targeted advertising by removing their ability to track us, right? That, uh, was a, know, that was a I huge know update. About this. No. That was a huge update, yeah. Oh, with the, with iOS 16 that's coming no, out? No, no, no. It's already been done on the last iOS update. So oh, wow. they. They limited Facebook's ability to directly target to you with their their blocking feature, so they can't track you vis-a-vis your iPhone. And most users are on iPhones. Wow. Google's apparently th- thinking about doing the exact same thing now. So it's really put an Good. interesting yeah. challenge on what Meta's financials might be because Meta generates. I mean, they're the most profitable uh, social media platform, but mm-hmm. they generate 
the overall majority of their income from advertising. Right. And if yeah, they can't have the same degree of targeted advertising unless people opt in and nobody's opt in because most people don't even know about the feature. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting play by Apple to to kind of alienate them a little bit. Yeah, that is interesting. Wow. Um, speaking of their the iOS software, you see any updates on the new iOS 16 that's coming out? Yeah, I saw. Uh, You'll be able to edit your text that you sent. Yeah, I can't wait. That's great for you. It's great for me. It's great for me. <laughs> you piece say, of shit, motherfucker. Wait, gotta edit that. I'm not that visceral. <laughs> Come on. With me, you are. I don't ever cuss at you like that um, in a text message. I like to call you due to your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like to- but you can edit, so you'll be able to edit your text message to someone within 15 minutes, but it'll say on there, edited text. Oh, it's within 15 minutes? I guess that's what I heard uh, right now in the oh. beta version. And But it'll say edited text, but you have to make sure that the other person has the updated software for it to work. Okay, so here's how, here's how I'm going to do this from now on, okay? Every conversation I have with anybody, yeah. before 15 minutes are up, you're going to get an eggplant emoji <laughs> instead of the, of the tech. And yeah. when someone goes back and looks at it, it's going to be eggplant emoji, your response, eggplant emoji, yeah. your response. Yeah. And that's all it's going to ever be. Right, exactly. So I'll tell you right now, I, I could never run for president of the United States because there are text messages out there that would totally destroy any I mean, chance I'd ever have. Yeah, that's the only reason you'll never be able to run for president of the United States. I feel like you mean that sarcastically, and I feel like that's offensive. I was born in Oklahoma, bro. Uh, yeah, you got a better chance than me. Yeah, I got a much better chance yeah, than you. Exactly. Except for my last name. My my first, middle, last name don't help. I'm the world's shittiest attorney. Yeah, you yeah. definitely can't run. Yeah, Muhammad. Although, Kamala Harris is... <laughs> Compare me to Kamala Harris? Please don't do that. But she's arguably not alive anymore. Nobody's seen yeah, her. Yeah, where's like, where she at? Like, nothing. I literally, since the last time we talked about it, I was like, all right, let me see if I can see with news with her. Nothing. I mean, I'll be honest. When the whole... Everything's been going on with Roe v. Wade. I thought they'd push her out in the front and let her try to handle this. I haven't even heard her touch it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. She. I mean, we, we're so focused on Biden. Is he going to die? Yeah. That, you know, we don't. We don't, Kamala Harris might not be there anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird, right? Like she's very weird. She's dropped off. Even Pence got a little more love than that. And Pence is you know, kind of no, Trump's no, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that is the forty-something minute mark. And Saeed and I have not managed to make one. Joke about each other's weight. Congratulations. Uh, okay, I feel like you're a responsible yeah, we guy. We're shaking hands. Good job. Good job. You're still fat. Uh, uh. That's terrible. All right. Well, uh, I guess we're going to end on me being large and in charge. And if, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, the estrogen increase in my body right now, it makes me very emotional about that statement. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Very, I'm very upset I'm about sorry. it. I'm sorry. We'll hug it out. Yeah. I, I cried during PE blinders last night. It was terrible. <laughs> it wasn't even like an emotional scene. All right, guys. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.